As we prepare for worship, let us bow our heads in prayer. Amazing God, revealed to us in more ways than we can count, yet binding in unity all that was and is and yet shall be, we worship you. Source of mountains and seas, giver of light and darkness, we marvel at the work of your hands. Reconciler and redeemer, we are awed by the forgiving love that draws us to you and empowers us to care for one another. Spirit of truth, whose guidance is available to us every day, we rejoice in your transforming presence. Triune God, bless, we pray, this gathering of your disciples. Amen. Now as we worship together, may our hearts receive his Holy Spirit, our ears listen to his word, and our voices be raised in praise to the glory of God.
and join me in the responsive call to worship that is found on page three of your bulletin. God finds delight in humanity and in each of us. Let us rejoice before the majesty, majesty of our creator. In Christ, we are called to endure and to hope. Let us give thanks for a faith that brings peace. The Holy Spirit is present to guide and direct us. Let us listen that we may hear and do what is true.
Jesus is looking for people who are all in. He said, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up your cross daily, and follow me. We want to be people who do that, but we often fail. So let us keep short accounts with our Heavenly Father, who waits for us with open arms and receives us with grace and mercy each time we come to him and sincerely confess and forsake our sins. Let us now confess together. God of wisdom, our choices have denied you. We drank from the shallow waters of instant gratification when you offer springs of living water from the depths of your love. We pursue our own fame and glory, which crumble into dust when we view the sacrifice and service that build true character. O oh God, we confess that we have not put first things first. We have not lived up to the crown of glory and honor you offer us. Recall us to awe and wonder, and guide us in the ways of truth. Amen. Sisters and brothers in Christ, hear the good news. At some time or another, each one of us has been lost in many different ways. But now, indeed, we are found. And not simply found, but rejoiced over and cherished and beloved. I declare to you in the name of Jesus Christ, your sins are forgiven. You have come home. Friends, believe the good news of the gospel. Now, let us state what we believe using the words of that ancient creed whose origins reach back to the first century church. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. And now let us each turn and greet our neighbors in the love of Christ.
the Church of the Palms. We are so delighted that you are here with us on this summer day. If you see the Red Friendship the book right in front of you, if you would take it out, write your name on it, check if you need a call or if you want to become a new member or anything like that, and then send it down the aisle. And when it comes back, look at it so you can say hi to someone that maybe you haven't met before or to say hello to a, an old friend. And if you are checking, want to learn more, today is your lucky day. We have the new member class at 1015 in the chapel. So scoot over there. You're not signing any papers or anything like that. You get to go just check it out and see what we're about. From what I understand, membership has its benefits. So Steve and the gang are still over in Scotland and in England, I think, for another week. And if you want to keep up with their travels, go to our Facebook page. He's posting some pictures, and he's doing a running commentary, really short. So check that out. Tomorrow, this place is going to be swarming with little people, with teenagers and adults. VBS is full. Whew, there's going to be so much going on. But today, if you have a little time, at 11 o'clock, they're setting up and they're decorating. So if you can come back at 11 to do that, that would be awesome. We are almost halfway to our goal of peanut butter. Kathy Robinette, our amazing food service coordinator, challenged us with getting 1,000 jars of peanut butter. As of last week, I think we were already at 350. So grab some peanut butter, drop it off in the back of the church, drop it off in the office. We'll take it and we'll feed lots of hungry, hungry kids over the summer. Our tutoring director, Linda Evans, who is right back there, Linda waved to us. She is doing champ camp for first graders who need just a little bit of help. She still needs some volunteers, and here's the best part. I think that even we can still understand the math with the kids that they are this uh, first grade, people, maybe. But the best part, another thing, is that it's really short term. It starts June 20th and goes through July 27th. So if you're here those times or most of those times, check in with Linda. She'd love to have you. A little bird told me that... Ruth Pierce turned 101 on Friday. So on the count of three, we're going to say happy birthday to Ruth. Are you ready? One, two, three. Happy birthday, Ruth. God bless you. And now I'd like to invite my friend, Dr. Dan Watts, to come forward. He's going to give us a minute for mission on our awesome, awesome ministry, Samaritan Counseling. Good morning. I'm a member of the Church of the Palms and also serve on the board of Samaritan Counseling Center of the Gulf Coast. This morning I want to talk to you about two things. The first is to thank the Church of the Palms family for your support of Samaritan. Samaritan is a mission of the Church of the Palms born out of a long-range planning process that began in 1996. Our, our pastor, Bruce Porter, at that time was one of its leading advocates. The vision that sparked this partnership was that God wanted to meet an immense need for mental health counseling which integrated a person's spirituality into the counseling process. Because of your generosity, Samaritan is able to make counseling affordable to everyone. For those who are underinsured or uninsured, we offer scholarships. And not only that, Samaritan counselors are some of the best in this area. My wife and I have referred friends, family, employees and patients to Samaritan with excellent results. Samaritan is growing. 
Last year, we held 5,500 counseling sessions. We are now in eight locations throughout Sarasota and Manatee, and only halfway through 2017, we're already up 27%. So thank you again for your support. The second thing I want to tell you about is an event sponsored by the Church of the Palms and Samaritan, one you won't want to miss, one you will want to put on your calendars and tell your friends about. I am so excited to announce that on June 24th, from 9 to 12 in our campus center, we will have the acclaimed lecturer and author, Dr. Jim, Tim Jennings. The tickets are free as a gift from the Church of the Palms and Samaritan. Dr. Jennings, a Christian psychiatrist, is an international speaker and author of many books, including uh, his most famous, The God-Shaped Brain. He will be speaking on how we as humans are designed to have God in our lives. When we don't, we sense a missing, a hole in our brain. Now, recently, neuroscience uh, research has found that thoughts and beliefs affect our physical, mental, and spiritual health. When we understand that God is good and loving, we flourish. This event has been two years in preparation, and during that time, I've had the privilege of meeting Dr. Jennings in his hometown in Chattanooga. The last time we met, I, sent, I brought an old friend of mine who's a judge in that area. Uh, for an hour, I sat mesmerized, and afterwards, my friend Reed told me he'd never met a more interesting man as compassionate about his work as Dr. Jennings. What you can expect on Saturday morning is a dynamic, engaging presentation filled with moving, real-life stories and practical, biblical wisdom that will leave you awe-inspired. For those of uh, you who are health professionals, we'll be offering a full day of CEU workshops on Friday, but for most of us, it will be on the uh, 24th in the center. Uh, Marlene Petra, where is she? Okay, right over here. She's going to have some flyers outside, but you can also sign up on our website, so Samaritan website, so sign up, and we hope to see you there. Thank you.
Let us pray. Most gracious and loving God, we give you thanks for coming to us in the generosity of your love as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We come together on this Trinity Sunday in prayer to thank you for creating us in your own image and likeness. We thank you for giving us breath and life in this world in which we live. We thank you, O oh God, for teaching us your ways and giving your life for our salvation. We thank you for coming to us as the living, ever-present spirit, leading us, empowering us, and uniting us. Gracious God, we lift before you our concerns for our brothers and sisters in Christ around the world, and for all who you created who know suffering, who know suffering and need. Help us as a church to both love you and to love our neighbors near and far, we pray. And where our love is too humanly limited, we pray that you will use your limitless power to bring help and hope and justice to the people of your world, we pray. Guide those who lead us and protect those who serve to protect us. Safeguard those who work for mission, military, and for humanitarian work in every place. We pray that you will heal those who are sick and comfort those who are grieving and those who are lonely and those who are mentally disturbed, we pray. We pray for your mercy of safe travel for Pastor Steve and our pilgrims on the pilgrimage. May this be a spiritual, spiritually rewarding for them, we pray. Now we bring all our prayers, spoken and unspoken, in the name of our Lord and Savior Jesus, who taught us to pray together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Now let us continue to worship God through the giving of our tithings and morning offerings.
Let us pray. We love you, O God, for you have loved us first. Accept these, our token of love and gratitude to you in offering, we pray, so that they may be multiplied by your love and grace, and the whole world may be filled with knowing, loving you, and your love and grace, and loving one another. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Now please, let us welcome Carol and our children to come forward as you take your seats. We're so excited because tomorrow we start Vacation Bible School. We have so many good plans <clears throat> for tomorrow in the week. Come on up, guys. I brought something in. <clears throat> I was going through my drawers. Come on up, guys. At home, and man, do I have a lot of junk. <laughs> so I thought if I brought, hey, you can sit right here. Scoot one up, Breeze, for me, because I want to show you something. You might help me demonstrate. So I brought all this stuff in to see if you guys might know what's it, what, what it all is built for a purpose, okay? So, what do you think? Yes, we are. Later, a little bit. So, who knows what this is? What is this thing? Sam. What is it? Screwdriver. Look, look at the tip. Now, that is... A knife sharpener, I think. Well, it's, it's a kind of screwdriver. It looks like a screwdriver. Okay, I got another one. I got some good stuff. What do you think this is? What do you think this is? This is old school, guys. <laughs> this is, okay, this is for making, dividing pasta when you make pasta. Or, look at this. Look at this guy. Look at that little wheel. Do you know that these two things were built to do the same thing. When you make a pie crust and you get those crinkly little lines, you cut your pie crust and make strips. I can't get rid of these things. What about this? Anybody know what this is? What do you think? What do you think, Ben? Uh, uh, scissors. Scissors? How do you cut with scissors? It's got a ball. You hold that and tell me if you can think of what that is. All right, let me see what else. Who's got one of these in their house? What is it, Alex? You got it. You put this in your drink and you shake your your jar. It mixes up your milkshake. All right, what is oh, this is an easy one. This thing does one thing. Does anybody know what it is? Camille. It helps you get staples out of a piece of paper. There is nothing else that picks a staple out of a piece of paper except this cool thing. Okay. This, Kimmy, what do you think? What? It is, you know what I think this is? I think this makes butter balls, because we all need that. <laughs> this, does anybody know what this is? It is, come on. It slices eggs, all these people know, right? <laughs> I'm so old, okay. This is, this, is, this is my prize, though, right here. I need a demonstrator. Please, can you hold the jar up high? So does anybody out there know what this is? Uh, it doesn't open. This is my favorite thing in the world. There, it, it, it is like I got this for Christmas because there's only one that made. You can use one hand. Hold it up. It goes like this. Let go. It's a jar puller, guys. 
when you're canning and putting up green beans, you can do it with one hand. So all of those things I can't get rid of because they are all built for a purpose. And that is what reminds me of this week at Vacation Bible School. We are all going to learn that. Did you guys know that you guys are created by God and you're built for a purpose? Did you know that God knew you before you were even born? It says in Jeremiah in the Bible, for I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord. That means he created you and me different. And he created us creatively and he created us wonderfully. And so because we're all different, we all have a purpose. It's because, you know what, Ben? When you figure out your purpose in life, you can do something that no one else can do, and it's just unique to you, and God made us that way. Let's pray. Dear God, thank you that you made us awesome and different just the way you did. Help us to find our purpose and to do your work for your glory. Amen. Okay. Yes, you can. You want to hold my hat? I'm going to put my hat on. See, created by... Here we go.
It looked like there might have been some new kids here this morning, so if you're interested in picking them up after worship, you can go up to room 205. So last week, Steve preached to us on Pentecost and how Pentecost was the birth of a new community of souls who were being shaped and healed and transformed by the Holy Spirit to become people who were less enslaved by their baggage, their stuff, their buttons, their emotions, their anger, their unresolved issues, and instead they were freed and empowered by the Holy Spirit to become a new way of life for a world that was hungering for a new way of life. Do not judge. Forgive 70 times 70. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. Live peaceably with all. Do not claim to be wiser than you are. And Pentecost is here to say that we cannot do this. We cannot do this. We cannot do this except by the daily indwelling of the Holy Spirit in our lives, whose work it is to heal the raw nerves, to sort through the baggage, to temper the unbridled and the unhealthy emotion, wipe clean the guilt, and freeing us up from the tightly held anger and bitterness. This is how God heals the world. He heals his people. He heals you and me so that we can begin healing the world by living like healed people. And Steve left us with this challenge. What if we begin each day with a conversation with the Holy Spirit saying, what is the healing that you have for me today, Lord? So today, we jump back to the end of Matthew where Jesus is meeting with the disciples for the last time, and Jesus is giving them their marching orders in what is commonly called the Great Commission. Listen to the scripture passage as it comes to us from Matthew 28, verses 16 through 20. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. When they saw Jesus, they worshipped him, and some doubted. And Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. This is the word of the Lord. Let us pray. Open our hearts and minds, O Lord, to the words just read and the words to come, that we might encounter you in a new way. Amen. With the focus this past week on identifying my broken parts and asking for healing, there was one little word that jumped out at me from the passage for today. Doubt. Doubt can be crippling, even paralyzing. Doubt for a Christian feels like kryptonite for Superman. Tahara Mafi wrote in her novel, Ignite Me, For so many years, I lived in constant terror of myself. Doubt had married my fear and moved into my mind, where it built castles and ruled kingdoms and reigned over me, bowing my will to its whispers until I was little more than an acquiescing peon, too terrified to disobey, too terrified to disagree. I had been shackled, a prisoner in my own mind. But finally, 
Finally, I have learned to break free. Well, we all have doubts, don't we? From silly things like in our house before Friday, we doubted that the Cavs could ever win a game against the Warriors. To really more serious things like we doubt if the world will ever be a safe place again. Did you happen to see the movie called Doubt, starring Meryl Streep and the late Philip Seymour Hoffman? Brilliant acting, and since it was released nine years ago, I feel like I'm safe in sharing just a little bit of a spoiler. The movie Doubt, set in a 1964 working-class Bronx neighborhood, opens during Mass, where Father Flynn, played by Philip Seymour Hoffman, finishes his sermon by talking about the crisis of faith that sometimes enter into everyone's lives. And whenever people feel lost, they should not feel alone because even the bravest and the most faithful have doubts from time to time. Sister Aloysius, played by Meryl Streep, gathers enough tidbits of information to come to the conclusion that Father Flynn is acting inappropriately with the first African-American student in their school. She is stoic, joyless, and doing her duty to protect the children and to make sure that justice is served. As you watch the movie, you have some doubts. You don't really know if Father Flynn is doing anything wrong or not. Sister Aloysius is like a dog on a bone. She badgers, torments, and she finally gets Father Flynn dismissed from their parish. She appears so confident. She is zealous in her pursuit of this jovial father. Only at the very end of the film does she confess to another sister that she lied about calling his previous school where she supposedly corroborated her, her claims about her beliefs and his inappropriate behavior. Sister Aloysius confessed that even she has doubts, such doubts. As tragic as that was in the movie, these doubts were about a person and his behavior. They weren't doubts about God and faith. The late great theologian George Carlin once said, Tell people there's an invisible man in the sky who created the universe, and the vast majority will believe him. Tell them that the paint is wet and they have to touch it to make sure. The message I hear is that it's okay to doubt paint drying, not okay to doubt God. In fact, when you Google images for doubt, you see pictures of a guy who's far away from the cross, sitting on the edge of a cliff with the title, Doubting God. If you are doubting God, you are far away from Christ, holding your head down in shame. Or you find signs that say things like, trust God and never doubt. Or doubt isn't a sin, but it's a temptation to sin. Yet in the Bible, we see that the disciples doubted a fair amount. In fact, all four Gospels talk about how the disciples doubted. At the very end of Mark, in chapter 16, Mary Magdalene is telling the guys how she had seen the resurrected Jesus. We read in verse 11, But when they heard that he was alive and had been seen by her, they would not believe it. Jesus appeared to two disciples as they were walking, and in verse 13, And they went back and told the rest, but they did not believe them. In the Gospel of John, of course, we have Doubting Thomas, who says, Unless I see the marks of the nails in his hands, and I put my finger in the mark of the nails, and my hand in his side, 
I will not believe. The best is in Luke 24. When Jesus appears to the disciples and they think that they are seeing a ghost, Jesus says, why are you so frightened? And why do doubts arise in your hearts? Look at my hands and my feet. See that it is I myself. Touch me and see, for a ghost does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. And I just love in verse 41, while in their joy they were disbelieving and still wondering, the risen Christ with the scars of his crucifixion is standing right in front of them, and yet they still doubt. What about Peter, who jumps out of the boat to walk on the water with Jesus? In Matthew 14, we read that as soon as a strong wind comes up, Peter became afraid and started to sink. Jesus reaches out a hand to save him and says, You of little faith, why do you doubt? And then two short chapters later, Jesus says, You are Peter, the rock on which I'm going to build my church. Doubt didn't disqualify him. Since Bible times, the world has been filled with brilliant, faithful people who have had their doubts. Look at Martin Luther, the father of the Protestant church. This year, we will be celebrating the 500th anniversary of the Reformation. Along with Luther's legacy of being a reformer and a father of Protestantism, Martin Luther is also remembered for something less grand and a much more relatable trait, doubt. Luther's primary doubts about faith didn't necessarily rest on the question of God's existence, but on God's character. Ultimately, Luther's legacy is one of reform and a reliancy on grace. He is remembered for the impact that he had on the church, but even a church father of his stature still suffered from moments about his salvation, about his calling, and what God thought about him. Or how about our very own John Calvin, the father of Reformed theology and our Presbyterian roots? For Calvin, doubt wasn't something that Christians should fear. Instead, it was something we should even expect and not be surprised by when it creeps into our lives. He said, surely while we teach that faith ought to be certain and assured, we cannot imagine any certainty that is not tinged with doubt or any assurance that is not assailed by some anxiety. Calvin understood that doubt was a part of the faith experience because human nature itself finds ideas about God and his goodness so outside of what he can understand. He said, for belief is so deeply rooted, unbelief is so deeply rooted in our hearts and we are so inclined to it that not without hard struggles is each one able to persuade himself of what all confess with the mouth, namely, that God is faithful. Let's not just stay with the Protestants. Let's look at a couple of famous Catholics as well. Since he was elected as the leader of the Catholic Church in the spring of 2013, Pope Francis has been wildly popular and massively influential, both inside the church and to the broader world. He was named Time Magazine's Man of the Year for 20... Oh, not man. Person of the Year for 2013. He's undoubtedly been the most popular pope in recent history. But Pope Francis has spoken openly about the role of doubt in faith. Who among us has not experienced insecurity, loss, and even doubts on their journey of faith? 
He told a crowd at a general audience, everyone, we've all experienced this. Me too, says the Pope. It is part of the journey of faith. It is part of our lives. This should not surprise us because we are human beings marked by fragility and limitations. We are all weak. We all have limits. Do not panic. We all have them. Mother Teresa of Calcutta is primarily remembered for her selfless service to the poor and the sick. But a book of letters that was printed after her death reveals that even she struggled with doubt. The letters showed a different woman than the symbol of Christian love and unwavering faith that so much of the media portrayed in her. She frequently wrote of loneliness, not hearing from God, personal hypocrisy, and doubts about her own faith. She wrote, darkness is such that I really do not see, neither with my mind nor with my reason. The place of God in my soul is blank. There is no God in me. When the pain of longing is so great, I just long and long for God. The torture and pain I can't explain. Even though she experienced long chapters of loneliness and feelings of isolation from God, her devotion to her calling never wavered. And today, she's remembered for her love of the poor and heeding of Christ's command to care for them. Do you see the pattern? God used these great men and women of faith in spite of their doubts. And that's what I heard when I read the scripture passage for today. Jesus commissions not perfect disciples, but people who both worship and doubt. When the travelers meet the living Jesus, some worship, others doubt. Both responses are possible from the same group. Among these disciples, there is both worship and uncertainty, both devotion and hesitancy. One might expect something clearer and unequivocal. They are in the presence of the living Christ, for goodness sakes. But this mixture of faith and doubt seems to characterize discipleship. Here again, now the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. When they saw Jesus, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, said to all of them, even the doubters, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go and make disciples. How does Jesus respond to this mixed group of worshipers and doubters? He gives them all the same commission. Go and make disciples. One might have expected Jesus to do something else, like calling for the uncertain to get things figured out and for the hesitant to answer their unanswered questions. But instead, instead, Jesus simply speaks to them all in the exact same way. Go and make disciples. And I wonder, maybe doubt isn't a brokenness that needs to be healed, but really more of a benefit. Could it be that doubt is a gift? Thanks to this huge cerebral cortex, we are capable of quite amazing abstract thoughts, pondering the deep mysteries of life, ultimate meaning, and faith. The capacity to form thoughts about God 
our place in the world, and how the two come together is actually a gift from God. So I wonder how we would feel knowing that we have permission to ask questions and to have doubts. I wonder how we would feel to know that we're not all alone. And I wonder, knowing that we don't have to hide our doubts from God or from one another, even here in church, and that church might just be the best place for us to be honest about our doubts because it's here where we can hold each other up. Together, we have enough faith on our own, sometimes not so much. While doubt can be unsettling, disorienting, and even a little like that scary monster under the bed, I believe that doubt can actually move us closer to God, not farther away. Peter Enns says that doubt is divine, tough love. God means to have all of us, not just the surface, going to church, volunteering part, not just the part people see, but the parts that are so buried no one sees them, not even us. Doubt is powerful. It challenges us to stay in relationship with God and to move towards a deeper trust in God. When we have doubts, we acknowledge that we don't have all the answers about our faith or about God. Yet we can trust to trust, choose to trust God with childlike trust in spite of our doubts. Mike Iaconelli writes, In a healthy family, children's questions are not about answers. Their questions are about relationship. Children intuitively know that their questions are welcome, appreciated, safe. And not only are children's questions welcomed, but they are welcome. In a welcoming environment where questions are safe, children are infected with curiosity, a fascination with truth, an unrelenting hunger to know and to be known, to capture and be captured, to touch and to be touched. When these children finally fall asleep at night, they are secure in the knowledge that the one who loves them is bigger than all of their questions. The God who loves us is bigger than all of our doubts and all of our questions. So if we don't have all the answers, suddenly we have a bit of humility, don't we? The best kind of doubt is the kind that springs from humility, from an acknowledgement that we haven't got God all figured out and from a willingness to admit that we can be wrong. And humility is a fine companion to take on the road because nobody likes to know it all. So when Jesus tells us to go, doubts and all, we should go with a heart full of love and a kind and generous spirit bathed in humility. And remember, when we go, we never go alone.
Jesus said to go and share his love, even if you don't have all the answers, even if you have some doubts. But when you go, always remember how much you are loved and that you are never alone. And now may the beauty of God be reflected in your eyes, the love of God reflected in your hands, the wisdom of God reflected in your words words, and the knowledge of God flow through your heart so that all might see and believe in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.